This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Amen. Well, it's good afternoon. It's going to be raining all weekend long. So we're here. Some people are happy about that. We're going to be starting today in Judges 6, verse 24. How many of you have enjoyed so far the messages and the download and the move of the Spirit? Yeah? I mean, we've heard about bold moves from Pastor Lynx. How many of you are ready to take bold moves? Make some bold moves. Taking the spoils of war, which Pastor Tom will be continuing on. How, how incredible has that teaching been? Who needs to take some spoils? Amen. We've gotten the Hebrew context, which makes us feel just really uneducated. Anyone just go home and you're like, well, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore after reading my Bible. I, you know, you go back and you think, so what does this, what does my middle name mean if every letter in my name has a word, right? Anyone go back and like did that? Like, so, you know, and you start making like great things about it. You're like, so that is a plant and that is a fish. And then, and then you're like, well, that means that I'm going to have lots of plants and I'm going to have lots of fish, which are souls in my life. And you start, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's been incredible. So I think let's give a round of applause to what God has been doing so far. And Judges 6 verse 24, if you're there, let's go ahead and look on the screen what this says. Because it is, actually, you know what? We'll, we'll just go from here in my Bible. It says, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, The Lord is Peace. Now, we heard yesterday about what peace meant, right? That God crushes the orchestration of devastation. Something like that. I'll have to look again. To this day, it is still in Ophrah in the Abrezrites. Now on the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord on top of the stronghold. Think about this. Build an altar to the Lord on top of this stronghold. Carry on down 27. It says, then Gideon took 10 men of his servants because he was a little bit afraid How many of you know when you're a bit afraid, you don't take friends, you take servants, because they do exactly what you tell them to do. You have to come with me. You're not my friend. I implore you. It says, because he was too afraid of his father's household, the men of the city did this. They did this by night. When the men of the city arose in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down. Everyone was confused, and the Asherah, which was beside it, was cut down. And the second bull was offered on the, on the altar which had been built. They said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they searched and they inquired, they found out that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Have you ever done something in secret and then someone discovers that you did that? And it's something that you are a little nervous about, people finding out. Like, and this is different to a lie, but we can, we, can, we can make it the same just for this purpose of the message. When you tell a lie and then someone goes, oh, we found out it was Tom. There's a big story that happens in your heart. It just sinks. And so Joash is here and he's like, "Uh uh-oh. And he's not standing up for himself. And then all of a sudden his dad comes in and says, guys, you want to kill this man for doing something to a God that can't defend himself? And all of a sudden, because someone stood up for Joash, 
for, sorry, for, for, um, uh, for Gideon, he is now almost considered a hero. Here's the thing about this, is that he was bold in the night. We can be bold in the night, but we can't stay there. We can be bold when no one's watching. And that's the beginning of our effect on society. That's the beginning. How many of you have ever just said a prayer in your workplace and just been like, Lord, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm just going to say a prayer for my boss. And all of a sudden you start seeing it happen. And you're like, okay, this is great. I can see some effects of the kingdom of God around my workplace or around my community. Amen? So we're going to do a background on Gideon quick before we jump into the rest of the story. Let me, let me show you what Gideon's struggling with and what his community is struggling with real quick. First slide. The, the name Gideon, first off, means the destroyer, the one who has a stump in place of a hand. Now, first of all, imagine the complexities growing up with that kind of a name. People come up to you and say, hey, Gideon, man with a stump. But, but, but mom, I have two hands. Yes, I know, but you're still useless, mate. I mean, imagine, imagine a kind of name that is like, Gideon, you are a person with a hand as a stump. So already there's some insecurities in this Gideon character that we're looking at. He's the weakest in his family, okay? And we know this because when the angel comes and says, you are mighty man of valor, he goes, wait, this is not me. I'm the weakest in my family, and my tribe is the weakest of all the tribes, or, or my family's in the weakest in the tribe. And he's oppressed by the Midianites. Now, the Midianites are raiders. So basically, if you study the way that they operated, they weren't necessarily trying to kill the Israelites. What they were trying to do is, every time there was harvest, they would come in and say, guys, we're here for our spoils. Right? Some of you, no, don't go there, guys. I know some of you are going somewhere. No. They would come and they would say, it's harvest time. This is ours. We wouldn't want to take everything that you've worked for, everything that you have made, it's going to be ours now. So they're raiders. They're not very nice people. So they've been oppressed by the Midianites for years upon years. And so it's a very depressed place. Gideon is in a depressed place. And he's just received confirmation that he's a warrior. So of all this insecurity, the angel of the Lord comes and says, you, sir, are a warrior. Let me tell you this, church. Whatever your background, whatever you feel like you've been struggling with, whatever insecurities, whatever your name, God can come and say, whatever that place is, I'm calling you a warrior for my kingdom. How powerful is that? In just this small little piece of the story, we see God completely change the destiny of this weak man. If you've ever felt weak before, anyone ever felt weak? That's good because God can use weakness. So look at this. There are terrible people and the battle stage is set. And I want to show you this story as we go on. We're going, to, we're going to follow the story. Everyone say, follow the story. The battle stage is set. Say that with me. The battle stage is set. Then all the Midianites and the Malachites and the sons of the east assembled themselves. And they crossed over the camp in the valley of Jezreel. They all came together and they said, now is our time to take everything from these Israelites and leave them in poverty once again. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. And the Abrizites were called together to follow him. So all of his clan, all of his tribes were called together. God did a move in their hearts, and he confirmed the battle cry. So this is the stage, right? You've got all the enemy on one side of this valley, one side of the hill. You've got Gideon there, and he's saying, all right, let's rustle up an army. Anyone ever been in a battle before? 
Anyone? What about a fight in school, like high school? Yes, definitely. And all the guys say amen. Yeah. And then you get 18 and it's illegal to punch anyone and then it's bad. So, uh, so have you ever been in a fight? And here's my thing. When I get into a fight, I start mustering up my own strength. And you start thinking about like all the movies that you watched, uh, you know, where Jackie Chan would do these kicks and you think, you know what, I can probably do that in this, in this situation. And you start saying something, oh, don't even touch me. You touch me and you're going to unleash something incredible on you. You're going to unleash the dragon, unleash the dragon. Remember that song? And you start saying like, I'm going to, uh, and I remember this past uh, December, I was with my family at Legoland, okay? And Legoland, you know, we got really good discount tickets on it and we went to Legoland and I wanted to do something with the whole family because Rach had Seth and Seth is one. So he doesn't want to go on any rides. He can't. He's not allowed. So I found this ride that everyone could go on. And it was a water ride where you get on these water battleships and you spray other people with these squirt guns on other battleships. And you go through this journey and you spray people, you, you shoot the guns at these guys on the side, these like Lego men who, who look like pirates. And I was like, babe, this is a great family memory. We will do this together. Little did I know that when the music started and when I jumped into that boat with my family, I didn't notice that there was a big waterfall that we had to go through together as a family. And I got into extreme battle mode. And I'm a competitive person. So it's, we're not doing this half-heartedly. We're not just going to sit on the boat and go, oh, yeah, squirt a few guns. We're going to win this battle. And so I get on and I start treating my son, who's five, like a commander-in-chief. I'm like, you, you take that squirt gun there. And I tell my daughter, Madison, I say, Madison, you take this gun here. We are going to rock this thing. And Rachel's there with the baby like, uh, okay, okay. And so we start going on this battleship and we, 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 you know, we, we get into the water. And all of a sudden we start seeing these Lego men. And I'm firing the beast out of this gun. I'm like, get the, get the Lego men. Levi, get the Lego men. Uh, um, Madison, get the dragon over there. And they're like trying to move the thing. And, and Rachel's standing in the back. And all of a sudden we hear the sound. It's a full-on waterfall curtain. And Rachel's like, Tommy, uh, this is not good. Tommy, this is not good. And I'm like, I'm not even hearing it. We're, we are in battle mode. And we start going. And all of a sudden, Seth, we, we go through this waterfall. My wife's hair is messed up completely. Her clothes are wet. Seth is trying to breathe because the waterfall is going in his mouth. And he's just like, you know how babies do. And... My, my, my daughter is just standing there like this, dripping, screaming during the waterfall, uh, you know, scenario. And my son's kind of looking at me like, are we still doing this? <laughs> and, but I am in full mode. I'm like, come on, get yourself together, Madison. Stop crying. We have battle, battle. And then, and then we come across the side and we see a, another, another ship with other people on it. And I'm like, get those guys, get them. And, and we're, we're, this is full-on battle mode, and I'm, I'm using everything in my strength. And, and then we see on the sidelines, because people can watch the ride and shoot you from the sides, there's this little kid who's four years old, and he's just spraying like this. But to me, he was the enemy. And we come around the corner, and his mom and dad are like a few, you know, a few meters away from him, and they see this full-grown man in 
the battleship and I am firing at this guy and I'm hitting him in the face, in the nose, in the eyes and he, like a slow motion, like because I wanna win this battle. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm just like I am now. I, I am in it, my, my adrenaline's pumping. We get off the ride and Rachel just looks at me. Tommy, did you see how those other parents were looking at you? No, babe, I didn't notice. You acted like a six-year-old. But so often when we get into battle mode, we start assessing our own strengths and our own abilities. And we start taking it to the next level of what we can achieve with our own adrenaline. But God has different, a different idea. What do we do when we face battles in Zimbabwe or battles in our life? When we come into a position, do we, do we start yelling at everyone just like I did and saying, come on, get your act together. Come on, we gotta, we gotta use our strength. We gotta think better. We gotta strategize more. Or do we do something a bit different? Because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And the way that we engage the battle is the way that we keep fighting. I want to show you this. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So the question is, Zimbabwe, your life. Let me show you what, what Gideon was in this battlefield. This is what Gideon was. Next slide. He was an, an, an everyone say, unusual person. God gave him an unsuspecting strategy. Everyone say, unsuspecting strategy. For an unconventional win. God wants to give you an unconventional win in your life right now, what you're facing, what your situation is, because it's not gonna be conventional. God does not work in conventional ways. He works in ways that gives him glory. And I wanna show you how this message unfolds. Let me show you the, the definition of conventional real quick. Conventional, it's an adjective, in case everyone was wondering. Pertaining to convention or general agreement, established by a general consent or accepted usage, usage, arbitrarily determined. It's something that's normal. Well, let me tell you something. There is nothing conventional in Zimbabwe. There's nothing conventional. Everything is unconventional. Somehow something's not working. But even in the scriptures, guess what? God never works in conventional ways. So let me show you what the meaning of unconventional is. Unusual, irregular, unorthodox, unfamiliar, uncommon, out of the ordinary, atypical, or different. Let me ask you something. If you're in an unusual situation, you're ready for an unconventional win. If you're in an unfamiliar situation, God's setting you up for an unconventional win. If you're, if you're in, a, in, in a situation which is out of the ordinary, God has got you right where he wants you. But we have to fight the battle his way. So, my brothers and I, uh, have you ever felt like you're, you're behind? And you're like, I, I, as much as I'm doing, I am still far behind. I think Gideon might have felt like that. I'm a warrior, but I've never won a battle. I'm a warrior, but my people are just completely depressed. My brother and I uh, were at a camp together when we were in our teens. And again, if you get us together, we will not lose. There's no way. There's something about like brother fire. Anyone who has a strong brother close to them, you know what I'm talking about. When brothers get together, man, you are like a band of heathens. And 
they, they, they separated us from our friends in this obstacle course. And they said, no, you can't be with your friends because you'll win. But John and Tommy will let you be with all, I'm trying to think about how to put this, the uncoordinated ladies and gentlemen in the youth. The people who can't, you know, jump as high and who can't run as fast. And so my brother and I, just before they start the timer, they're saying, right, you have to get all your team across this obstacle course. And the record is 15 minutes. My brother and I looked at each other. We looked at our team. We looked back at each other. We're going to do it. Let me tell you something, guys. I'm not going to go into detail about what the team looked like, but just imagine with me, right? Uncoordination at its best. And we looked at each other and we're like, this is a bit unfair. And, but my brother and I, the, 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 stopwatch, the stopwatch begun and we started. And let me tell you something, guys. We've never carried so many people so quickly. We had to get over this wall, big wall, probably about 10 foot high. John went to the top of the wall. I was at the bottom and we were literally throwing people over the wall. Like, just get you. And... and <laughs> And, and sometimes you can look around you and you can say, oh man, uh, we don't even have the right people. We don't have the right people to do this. And Gideon's in that similar situation. Why are we around the depressed? Why are we around the people who are oppressed? And why are there constantly people trying to take our stuff? Very similar situation we might be in today. And then what happens is we assess our strength. Let me show you what, what, what Gideon probably could have done, and the team. All right, the Midianites have 133,000 people, but we have 32,000 men. Is it gonna work? We'll make it happen. We have determination. Everyone say determination. And we have good quality swords. The best steel in the world. We fabricated these things from the dungeons of Mordor. We've got the best swords. And you know what? I think we've got a chance. Yes, I do. Odds a little against us, but I think we can win. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think we can win. So let's carry on with the story, right? Next, 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 next slide. Then Gideon and all the people who were with them rose up early in the morning and camped beside the spring of Herod. Now imagine this beautiful campsite and everyone's getting ready and they're mustering up their strength. They're saying, we can do this, mate. It's, I know it's one to like seven, but we can still do this because we are the committee of 22,000. The Lord said to Gideon, uh, the people who are with you are too many. So uh, I can't give you the win so, um, because they're going to say that it was in our power. How many of you know that whenever we have an inkling in us that says we can do this, God tries to cut that out? He says that if you win with these people, everyone will say, we did this by ourselves. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of people, whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart. So 22,000 men left. And 10,000 remained. You know, we've had, we've had many people leave this country. Many people leave our families. And, and, and here's the thing, God cannot work in fear. You cannot be in fear and faith at the same time. And so God's saying, I have to cut that out because I cannot move powerfully through you if you're in fear. Because fear will also turn to pride. 
So it's interesting because those who are fearful, if they get success, guess what? There's going to be pride. So, check this out. You know, in, in fact, I had my team. We got together with my team when, when we all heard about bond notes and, and other situations in the world, right? I got my team together and everyone, you know, when you walk into your office and everyone kind of looks at you like, like they've seen a ghost. They're like, so are we going we gonna to still, still work here? Are we going to still stick around? And I was like, guys, listen, watch your confession because God cannot work in fear. We got everyone around. We said, we said there may be people who insult this nation beside you. There may be people who talk about fear. There may be t- people who tear down our nation with their words, but you cannot step into that because then we remove God from dealing with our situation. We say, God, it is up to us because we are more fearful of the situation than we are of you. And so God had to remove fear. Has he removed fear from your battlefield? Has he removed fear from your team? Is he removing fear from Zimbabwe? Because guess what? He cannot move in fear. So now let's assess our strength quick. Right. Okay. Gideon comes back. He says, right. Now we have 10,000 men. Is that okay? We'll make it happen. We have determination. And we have good quality swords. We've even done that in Zimbabwe. Okay, we've got bond notes, but guess what? They're one-to-one. You can get 40 out of the bank. So if you send three people on the same account, maybe we can figure that out. We've got determination. We've got swords of Mordor. All right? So they're assessing. And maybe they're like, this will still be an epic battle. It's one to 33 now, but... It'll still work. Anyone assessing their strength right now? How, how, how are we doing? <sighs> then there's another cutting out. This unconventionality continues. Everyone say, unconventionality continues. Look what happens. Then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. He's saying, Lord, stop this madness, please. You sent all the guys with the six-packs the last time. Those were the guys that I was relying on to be the front buffer. Why did you send all the educated outside of our country? Those were the ones, Lord, that we were relying on. Not you, no. The ones who were the educated. Where did the brain drain go? Then he says, I'll take them to the water to test them there for you. Now I can imagine. The whole time, he's like telling people, hey, the Lord's going to test us. You better freaking act well. Do not jack around at the water hole. I can't afford to lose any more. We've done that. (laughs) Therefore, it shall be whom I say to you, this one shall go, he shall go, and everyone who stays shall stay. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped with their mouths, hand to mouth, was 300 men. Now if I'm Gideon, I'm saying, I really hope the, dog, the, the Lord likes the dog style there. Because that's the one I want. There's only a few people who are, because there's separation, yeah? God hasn't told them who's who yet. There's 300, and there's 7,700. And then the Lord says, Right, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped 
and will give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other people go. But Lord, how does this work? Well, it's very unconventional. God is setting up Gideon for an unconventional win. Nothing makes sense. Nothing adds up here. The odds are against them. And they're looking around and, 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 and Gideon's like, but God, listen, you don't, you don't even understand. All the people who remained are very short. They're quite weak. God says, I've got you. What conversations have you had with God? In fact, where do you live in the army? Is there fear in you? Because I don't want to be cut out from the army about what God's about to do. I don't want to be cut out because of my fear. Yes, I'm fearful. I need to go home. No, I want to see God's glory come down and rock our enemies and give us land and let us take dominion. So we have to watch our fear, church. As leaders, we have to watch our fear. The other thing we have to watch, which God had to cut out, was selfishness. Because the people who came down to lap like dogs, guess what? They were so concerned with satisfying their own tongues of thirst that they weren't aware of what was going on around them. They weren't watching each other's backs. They weren't saying, hey, someone could come out from, because the valley is right there. Someone could come and spy on us. So they're looking around, watching the backs of their brethren. God said, I cannot use people who are selfish. Because in James 3.16, it says that everyone who is selfishly ambitious and who has envy, every evil practice lies in those people. And so God cannot use his power when there's disunity or when there's separation. And so one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, if you were to drink water, or if you were to give something that satisfies your craving desire, how would you take it? Would you say, let's, let's be wary and let's look at what everything else is going on. How is my brother? Does he have water? How's he doing? Are we aware? The Bible says that, do we have eyes to see and ears to hear? Are we looking? Are we aware? Pastor Bonnie always talks about awareness. Are we aware of what he is doing? Or are we so focused on us drinking from the water that we act like dogs? So God has to cut this out. And there's 300 men. And what else? D.L. Moody says this, When a man has no strength, if he relies on God, he becomes powerful. When a man has no strength, if he relies on God, he becomes powerful. Do you have strength today? Because God might get us to the place where we feel like we have no strength. And then he will become powerful in our lives. But you cannot sink into doubt because he'll cut you out. Those who endure till the end shall reap the reward. Those who are diligent daily shall reap the blessing. Next slide, quick. <clears throat> now the Midianites and the Amalekites were, and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as the locusts, and the camels were without number. So you can imagine the 300 coming up, looking at the locusts, just the sea of people and camels, I guess. As numerous as the sound of the seashore, when Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend. And he said, behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of the Midian. And it came to the tent and it struck it so it fell and it turned upside down so the tent lay flat. And his friend replied, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon. 
and the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all of its camp into his hand. Next. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship and returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the camp of the Midianites into your hands. He divided the 300 into three companies and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me, do likewise. And behold, when I come, and I blow the trumpet, then you are also to blow the trumpets all around the camp for the Lord and for Gideon. Let's assess our strength levels right now. Right. Our victory options. We have 300 men. We have nothing but reliance. And we do not have swords. We have trumpets. Imagine the conversation of Gideon going to the army. Hey, lads, give me your swords. But Gideon, it's us, the soldiers. I know. But we're warriors. Today, you musicians. I mean, you take the guy's mojo, man. We're going into battle with a torch and a trumpet. We have 300 men, nothing but reliance, and we have trumpets. We have no more swords. Maybe God wants to get us to a place where we have nothing that we rely on ourselves. Maybe he wants to get us to a place because, because God is setting up an unconventional win. We assess our, you know, here's the thing. God showed me a picture of unity and that with a few people unified, he can do so much more than many people divided. And so he's, he's scraping away the fear and he's scraping away the selfish desires and he's saying, this is a people who fear me and who can work together. And I'm saying, maybe it takes more people to leave. Maybe it takes more people to uh, more of the good people where you just are confused, like, what is going on here? Why are we left with this, this bunch of people? Because God showed me something. In Acts, you know, when the church started to multiply, the, the fire of God came down in the, with the Holy Spirit and they were empowered. Everyone say empowered. But then the blessing only came when they were unified. Look how amazing that is. There's a lot of people who are walking around who are Christians empowered, but they're not blessed. They walk around, they're like, I'm empowered by the Lord. I'm empowered to do His will. The Holy Spirit runs through me. But are you blessed? No. Because what are you united to? Who are you bonding with? Who are you leading under? And so God says that where there's unity, in, one, in, one, in Psalm 133, He says, where there's unity, I command a blessing. If we want to command God's blessing in our battles, guess what? We're going to have to be unified. We have to cut out the fear. We have to cut out the selfishness. And we have to bond together and say, we're going to do it God's way. And here we are with trumpets against 133,000 warriors. And we have trumpets and torches. And we're looking and we're going, the odds are not, not very good, sir. The odds here, it just looks like things are dire. But then, what happens? Let's carry on. So Gideon, 
The hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts. Remember, they divided, 300 men. To the camp at the beginning of the middle, watch. When they had just posted the watch, they blew the trumpets, smashed the pitchers in their hand. And when the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pictures, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right blowing and cried, a sword, not for Gideon, check this out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each stood at his place around the camp and all the army crying out as they fled. This is an unconventional win. When, the, when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword against one another in, their, in the enemy's camp throughout the whole army and they fled as far as Bithshita towards Zerera, as far as the edge of Abimelah and Tabith. The men of Israel were summoned and all of a sudden this momentum of victory starts to happen in Gideon and his army and more people come. Here's what I want you to see here is that the sword of the Lord, what is the year? The year, the sword of the crown, king. If we're going to have the sword of the crown king, it means we have to put down our swords and our abilities and our strength and say, we're going to blow a trumpet because God, you will fight our victory. And when we do that, guess what his sword does? His sword causes confusion in our enemy's camp. But as long as we hold on to fear, as long as we hold on to the odds stacked up against us, as long as we hold on to divisive mentalities, guess what? The sword of the Lord cannot go forth because we're holding on to ours. This is the year to put our swords down and to pick up our trumpets and to pick up a joyous sound because guess what? The joyous sound to the Lord, that's what won the enemy. Determination, numbers, and swords got shifted to reliance on God, unity, and a sound of joy. And that culminated in the unconventional win. Your determination may need to shift to reliance on God. Your numbers and your assessment of the situation, financial numbers, other numbers, may need to shift to unity. And our own swords, our wrath, and our judgment may need to shift to a sound of joy so that God defeats our enemies. Because there's going to be an unconventional win, church. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what God's going to do. And if you look at the unity behind what happened here, and I want you to think about this. Because the way that Gideon acted is, he acted in a way where he constantly listened to the Lord. You know what Pastor Taz says, you can't do what God has told you, you have to do what he's saying. We started with 33,000 men, but then God said what? Cut it. Then cut it again. And then put your swords down. So we have to be attentive to what God is saying in his spirit. We have to do the new things. The things from the old will not take us through to these unconventional winds. And there's a blow of a trumpet. There's a shift in momentum. <clears throat> When it doesn't seem right, when it looks very strange, when we seem outnumbered, God is setting you up for an unconventional win. He calls, we act, and he moves on our behalf. You know what the trumpet means in Hebrew? Think about this. It means a considerable, a considerable 
consequence. How amazing is that? When we sound the trumpet and we lift up a banner high, we are saying to our enemies, God, have considerable consequences on those who stand against us. May there be considerable consequences to those who frustrate the plans of God for his people. May there be considerable consequences when we raise a banner high and we sound a trumpet that causes us to take victory where there seemed like we were in oppression for so many years. I don't know, church. I'm excited to sound a trumpet in this place. So I want you to stand. And if, actually, in fact, just stay seated. If you feel like, and you know God has an unconventional win, if you feel like the numbers are against you, if you feel like the odds are stacked up against your progress, if you feel like there's something that just doesn't work, and you're like, Lord, I won an unconventional win. It doesn't make sense in the natural. I want you to stand because I believe that as we declare his praise, as we lift up a praise to him today, that God is starting to cause confusion where the enemy may be stacked against you. And let me just say this. If you look at throughout, throughout the Bible, whenever there was a sound of joy, that's where God intervenes. Look at Paul and Silas, right? The odds were stacked against them. They're in the prison cell, they're, they're bound, they're chained, and what happens? They sing to the Lord. Imagine all they did was struggle with their determination, and all they did was struggle with their own strength. They'd still be in there. But they raised a banner, they sounded the trumpet, and God caused what? Confusion in the jail cell. Broke off their chains. Let me tell you something. Your freedom lies in the blowing of your trumpet. Your freedom lies, your victory lies in an unconventional win. So here's what I want us to do. I want to pray, and I want to lead this prayer, and I want you to shout at the end of this prayer. And if you have a trumpet at home, go home tonight and blow that baby. Maybe we'll blow it tonight. Pray this with me as we surrender to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are greater than what I see around me, the situation that's in front of me, the oppression that I've sensed, the things that I have seen, the pain in my heart. Lord Jesus, I put down my sword and I put down my feelings and I put down my fear and I put down my selfishness and I call upon your name would you give me an unconventional win would you give me the freedom as I sound your trumpet and as I give you a shout of praise in this place come on now give the Lord a shout of praise we love you Jesus we thank you for your unconventional win your spirit that causes division in the enemy's camp. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me, let, me, let me just say this. Some of you are going to experience things where 
whether it's whether it's lawsuits, whether it's people that you've been fighting, they're going to come back confused. They're going to come back fighting with each other. I, I, I believe, I believe that if there is someone who is trying to oppress you or take what is yours, your joy, your peace, your kindness, God is going to cause confusion with the enemy. You're going to see it in these next couple weeks. Keep declaring, keep positive. Don't let doubt creep in. And let us look see what the Lord is doing in this place. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.